Welcome to Miles and Smiles, a podcast about love, service, and discovery. I'm your host, Julie Hatch. Join me on this adventure called life. To connect with me, visit thetruelovetour.com. Hello! It's good to be back. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to go to the Centered Stone with a friend of mine. If you've never been, it's like a salt cave. There's this large room that has about 10 recliners, and the ground is all Himalayan salt. It's it's not quite as fine as sand. It's It's a little bit more, oh, what's the word? There's larger granules. And they have these columns that are Himalayan salt, and then they have the lights that are Himalayan salt lamps, and then they have this stone in the center, beautiful artwork, and it's made out of Himalayan stone. And then they pump salt, this Himalayan salt, into the air. And it's supposed to be very cleansing and purifying and really wonderful. So while you're lounging there, they have these blankets you can take back with you because it does get quite chilly back there but they play Zen music in the background and they have this running water that you can listen to and you just kind of get to melt away. It's, it's a time where you really set that intention to be still. And by the time you're finished, you're kind of sad that you have to leave. (laughs) But I was there for about an hour and it felt familiar to me. And I was surprised that it felt familiar to me, somewhat surprised anyway, because I am not used to feeling that way on a regular basis. And lately I have. I've I've set the intention for this period in my life to be still and to turn in. And I am really coming into some wonderful insights and takeaways that I really would love to share with you in this episode. There's about three or four that I really want to hit, and they all have to do with feelings of fulfillment. So stay tuned, and I'll be right back. you have ever felt like you were chasing after things in order to feel better, only to realize that you've wasted your time on trivial things that actually did nothing for you? How many of you have ever experienced that? Excuse me, today I have a frog in my throat, so I hope you pardon me. There's a lot of things that I think contribute to that fear regret, perfectionism. And I believe that it all boils down to feelings of not being enough, that all of these things can kind of stem from this one thing of not feeling like you're enough. But truly, what I'm learning is that truly fulfilled people, they live life in a very different way. And I want to share with you 
one of the things that I've learned as I've deliberately taken this time to be still. We've, we've talked a lot about busyness, uh, being busy, and sometimes I think we do chase it because I know for me anyway, I felt that if I wasn't busy, if I wasn't doing, 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 I was being idle, I was being lazy, I was being a coward and not facing my fears, I wasn't creating, I wasn't contributing, I wasn't sharing, I was staying small. There were all of these limiting beliefs that I was carrying around me, carrying with me, surrounding this whole idea that I have to be busy. And so I made sure that I was busy. And it was one of those things that when I finally did take the time to be still, it I, I almost felt like I was in shell shock because I started panicking. I mean, I had done really good at being busy and distracting myself and placing more importance and priorities on filling my time with things that were busy. And I called it, I put it under this umbrella of accomplishment, right? Everybody loves a feeling of accomplishment. We look over and we go, yes, that's done. Yay, check. Or, you know, we get to reap the reward of, you know, a clean house maybe, or a project that we finished at work. But that feeling of accomplishment if it comes at the at the price of being busy, 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 and you never put in the time to be still, you will quickly learn that not only are you burning the candle at both ends, but you're depriving yourself of, of something that you can only get by being still. And I talked about being still in the last episode, so I don't want to go too far into that. When I get back, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about worrying about what others think about you. Stay tuned. worry about what other people think. How many of you do that? Here's what I've learned. In taking this time to be still, to get off the hamster wheel, I have been able to really be present. And in being present, I've been able to connect with my heart instead of focusing and diverting my attention to others. It's almost like, I don't have time for that. I think that fulfillment requires turning away from external factors and turning in. I really do. I think it requires that moment of stillness, not just for a designated amount of time, but each day. I think it has to be intentional, an intentional part of your day. Without, like, without turning away from the thoughts and opinions of others, I don't 
believe that fulfillment is even possible, really. I think it's too easy for us to fall back into the trap of what's going on around us rather than what's going on inside of us. I think that those who enjoy a sense of fulfillment know that we do things for ourselves and aren't typically concerned with what others are doing, especially when it comes to our inner circle. When we turn in, we're focused inward rather than outward in the best way. So there's times when it's really great to be outward focused when you think of serving your neighbors or your friends or your family members, you would need to have an outward focus. There's a time and place for that, right? But there also needs to be time and space to turn in and to to disconnect from the externals, (laughs) external people, external circumstances, all of those things. So I think that one of the, the biggest factors of feeling fulfilled is learning how to let go of that. I want you to consider what it's doing to you when you are so keenly aware of how other people think and feel towards you or about you. You, in a sense, are giving your power away. We've all heard this, right? But how many of us truly understand the cost of doing that? That when we're so focused on other people, that is the moment that we're giving our power away. When we're so focused on them, their thoughts and and feelings, what they're thinking about us, that comes with a cost. Because now suddenly your sense of peace, your sense of joy is now contingent upon the thoughts and feelings of others. It's not self-created. It's created by what other people think and feel about you. So if they feel great about you, you get to have a great day and you get to feel good. But conversely, if they don't feel so great about you, then that means what? You get to have a crappy day. (laughs) You get to feel crappy. And it puts you on this emotional roller coaster. When you learn to let go of what other people think about you, then you get to be the creator of joy in your life. You get to sense on a consistent basis that underlining tone of peace and tranquility and harmony. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I'm not on this emotional roller coaster anymore. When we have outbursts, we are on that emotional roller coaster. When we're triggered by something, think about it. In order to be triggered to begin with, where is your focus? Where is your focus? It's on others, right? It's something they said or did that triggered you. So if you're feeling triggered, then you have not mastered how to let go of the thoughts and opinions of others concerning you. My mother-in-law told me one time, what other people think about you is none of your business. And I thought, yes, it is. Like my internal reaction to that was, yes, it is. It's me. It's about me. I did not understand at all what she meant by that until years later. But truly what she meant by that is that don't concern yourself with what other people are thinking and feeling about you because others do not define you. When you go in, something wonderful happens. You connect with you, your heart space. 
some people refer to their heart space as their inner child or kind of use it. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They'll use that kind of in conjunction with, you know, heart space or whatever, but your inner child, I truly believe reflects your heart, your inner heart. So when you go there, you hear your breathing, you, your thoughts dissipate, you're, you are just so in the present, you become very grounded. And you realize that you are life, you are love, you do have worth and value and not because anybody define that for you, but because in each of us is light and love. And it's the experiences and circumstances in life that muddy that and cause us confusion about who we really are and what our value and worth is. But if you were to strip away all of those experiences, you would realize that inside of you has always existed life eternal. And that in that is light and love because we are sons and daughters of God and God is light and he is love. And if we are his offspring, then that would have to mean that we are too. So that's, uh, that's just my thought about that. If yours is slightly different, that's okay. (laughs) But I just want to say, stop worrying, stop focusing and giving your power away. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Let it go. A lot of times now I want, I, I really have to ask this question, but think about what it is that causes you to feel like you want to hold on to what other people are thinking and feeling about you. Why? Why are you giving them power? Why do you do that? What is it that makes you feel like their thoughts and opinions are more important and more true than your own? What is that? There's a belief there. And if you can identify that belief, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to take you through this, maybe help you process through this for for just a second. Okay, if you have identified that this is hard for you, I and I have heard this, and it's been challenging for me. Let me say, like, there, this has been difficult for me to learn. It's been something that I've, that I've had to kind of peel back the layers and heal each layers because it all stems to this, I'm not good enough. And if I'm not good enough, then what I think and what I feel doesn't matter. And everybody else's thoughts and, and opinions matter more. So here's the thing. Let's take that for a minute. Um, that belief that you have about other people's opinions and thoughts about you, what do you do when you feel that way? What do you do when you feel like it could be that belief could be, I'm not good enough. That belief could be, I'm not deserving of honoring my own voice. It could be, I believe that I need to uh, only be seeing and not heard. So you disconnect from your inner child. It could be a plethora of things, but what do you think that core belief is that you have been owning as true? What is that? And then look at your behavior when you feel that way, when something triggers those feelings in you, where that belief is being lived out, what does your behavior look like? What do you do? 
and then think about what need it's trying to accomplish because we do what we do when we don't know what else to do. We do what we do because we're trying to fulfill a need, an internal need. So what is that need? What is that need that you have? And then how is that need being fulfilled by your current behavior? So I'm going to give you an example. If my core belief is I am not good enough, some of the things that I've done in the past as a result of feeling that way and believing that, my behavior looked like bearing that feeling with food because I felt repulsive. I felt all these different things connected with that. So I would punish myself. I would overeat. I would project. uh, I became very passive aggressive with people. I crossed boundaries with people. I, let's see, what else did I do? I resented people for having what felt like that power over me. Um, I felt rebellious and I did rebel. And so my behavior took on many different forms, right? But I can look at that and go, what I really needed was love and acceptance. And the interesting thing is that I, while there are loving people in the world, You know, I jumped from relationship to relationship to relationship trying to find that love and get that love. But yet, even during the moments that I did have that love extended toward me, I towards me, I didn't accept it because I didn't truly believe I was worthy because I wasn't good enough, you know? I went kind of in this cycle for a long, 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 long time. And I kept trying to find that love from others. Please just show me that I... I'm worth this love, that I'm good enough for this love, that I I need to feel that I was so starved for love and affection and um, acceptance. And I did not know how to generate that for myself. So I kept looking outside of myself for that. But truly, here's the biggest takeaway is that When I finally forced myself to be alone and to look in, then I could hear. When I finally gave myself permission to quit punishing my inner child and to hear what she had to say, she was saying, can't you please just love me? Not can't your mom or dad just love me? Can't your friend just love me? She was saying, can't you, Julie, love me? Please love me. Please love me. Please accept me. And so how do you do that? Well, I think that was a question that I asked myself, how do I do that? Oh my gosh, now that I've recognized what she's been screaming at me and begging and pleading for me, how do I give this to her? This is new territory. And this is where I'm at learning through this process. And you may find yourself in the same boat. You may find yourself on the path of discovering love and how to love yourself as much as you love others as much, not more than, not less than, but as much as you love others. It is the second commandment. The first and greatest is to love God. The second is to love others as much as you love yourself. Or another way to say that is 
to love yourself as much as you love others, right? Hopefully, you recognize that that is a great amount of love. (laughs) But it took being still and giving myself permission to love my, my inner child, to love myself, to love that little girl who was so victimized by me. I victimized her. I put her through so much. So I think when you can answer that question, for me, it was first I have to start listening to her more. I have to start taking time out of my day every day to listen to her more and connect with her more. Uh, It also meant that I could put boundaries in place to protect my inner child from toxicity. I could put those in place in order to give it, give her a sense of safety. I could also take time to play because I don't know one inner child that doesn't know or doesn't desire moments of playfulness. I, I think playfulness isn't a luxury. I think it's a necessity. We each need to play. Playing brings creativity. Playing brings joy and discovery and learning. It brings so many things. I think it's an essential part to just play, you know, not take yourself too seriously or life too seriously. It's, you know, we can be adults and we can be responsible, but once in a while, it's okay to relax and play. (laughs) So think about how you can connect with your inner child and listen to that inner, listen to your inner child and give your inner child what it's asking for, what it's needing. And usually it's love and acceptance. And once you give it to yourself, then it allows other people the same permission, right? And it allows you to accept it more openly and freely from others. So I think that, you know, that for me is what worked for me. Maybe you will discover something else that will help you heal that. But once you know your behavior, you know, once you identify what you're doing to try and fulfill that need, ask yourself what it's costing you because it really was costing me the very thing I needed. I needed love, but when I was passive aggressive, I was making it hard for people to love me. Um, When I was being resentful and rebellious, I was in a sense pushing people away So the very thing that I needed was not being fulfilled. And so you have to ask yourself after you see that it, there's a cost attached to it. What can I do differently that doesn't have a cost attached to it, but still fulfills that need? And am I ready and willing and committed to doing that thing? It's something new. How do I feel about that? Sometimes we have fear about trying new things. Sometimes there's some fear there and you might have to work through that. But I hope that kind of taking you through this process a little bit will help help you reach a point of um, awareness and empowerment where you can do something differently to give yourself what you really, truly deserve, what you truly, truly need. When I get back, I want to talk about perfectionism. Stay tuned.
this next topic is really one I could do an entire episode on, and maybe I will, but for now I will touch on it. Perfectionism. How many of you are perfectionists? I think that for many people, it probably stemmed from receiving praise from doing something really, really well, achieving goals early on in life and feeling that if I do something really, really well, I get that praise and that praise feels a lot like love. (laughs) I think it stems from probably early childhood and the experiences we had in early childhood. But I will say, you know, it can be learned as well. I mean, perfection is something that, you know, if you have perfectionistic parents and you watch them and you learn from them, you too can become that way just by observing and and kind of being a witness to that. I think there's several things that play into perfectionism, but really it sort of stems from this idea that things aren't enough. So rather than you're not enough, things aren't enough. It's interesting to me, this perfectionism really is, I think it shows up the most in our life when we haven't mastered gratitude. I think that when you learn to be grateful for the smallest things, the things that are often seen as insignificant even, that that is when we are letting go of perfectionism. That is when we are letting go. When we can truly learn how to be grateful for not just the big blessings, but also the small blessings in life. Uh, I think that's when we are starting to step out of perfectionism perfectionism is very ego-centered and our egos love answers. They love to be right. When we don't have an answer, our minds won't rest. It will constantly keep seeking until we give it an answer of some sort, which is why it's all the more reason why it's so important to take time to connect with your heart and let go of the attachment you have with your mind. Sometimes (laughs) give your mind a rest connect with your heart. Um, But truly, there was a time more recently, and I shared this in another episode, so I'm not going to go too much into this, but I I had an experience recently that taught me a lot about perfectionism. And I think that what I learned is that I, I am very perfectionistic. In fact, there's sometimes I wouldn't touch my art because I knew that I couldn't do it perfectly. And so if I couldn't do it perfectly, I wasn't going to do it at all. <laughs> Have you ever been felt that way? Maybe, maybe it wasn't art for you. Maybe it was like playing the piano or an instrument, or maybe it was, you know, building a house or, you know, maybe it was something else, but it's interesting how perfection shows up. And there's a lot of pressure with perfectionism, a lot of pressure when you're chasing after perfectionism, you'll feel it in your shoulders for sure. You feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and it's very taxing and it zaps your energy. Think of all the things that it's costing you when you really give into this idea of perfectionism, that, that everything has to be just so. 
how many of you are really, you know, this is a question for you moms and your dads out there who have children that you, you are in care of. Okay. How many of you are so bent on having this amazing house on home that's like reflects a model home where nothing can be out of place. Nothing can never be uh, dirty. It's, and I'm not even talking about germaphobe. I'm talking about like, there's a pillow on the couch that isn't completely upright and it's tilting just a little, or it doesn't have the crease in the center of the pillow like model homes do. Or maybe there's a picture on the wall that's just ever so slightly tilted and you have to go and fix it. Or maybe, um, maybe your, your sheets have wrinkles in them. Oh dear. (laughs) You know, I'm talking about extreme perfectionism where everything has to be just so. How many of you are like that to the point that there's so much of your time and energy that's going into making everything perfect that you're cheating your children out of that time to, and and how many of you allow them really to be messy? How many of you chastise them when they're messy? Oh my gosh, look what you did. And it's all over your clothes and oh my goodness, go wash your hands. And like, you almost kind of rebuke them for being messy for being kids and play is how they learn. Like that is how they learn. Believe it or not, when they're messy, they're learning. (laughs) And so what, you know, I was that mom. I was, I was that mom that I really, as I really wanted everything perfect. I wanted everything clean and tidy and I'd pick up after my kids. I didn't bother teaching them to clean it up. It was just faster and easier if I did it. And so, yeah, I robbed him out of that learning experience. Hello. (laughs) But, you know, it wasn't until my second son was born. So for probably the first 11 months of motherhood, I was very perfectionistic. And then um, actually, I take that back. Probably it took me a couple of a couple of years to have my firstborn son. I would say longer than that. So the first two years before I even had children, my home had to look like a model home. And then there was like one or two months after my firstborn and I was still in that mode. And it wasn't until I learned I was pregnant with my second son. Um, When I was 11 weeks along, I fell down a flight of stairs and I was on complete bed rest for the remainder of my pregnancy with him. And that's when everything fell apart. And I really, oh my goodness, I, I couldn't sleep in my bed. I had to sleep downstairs on my couch. And I just remember I couldn't move because every time I moved, it jeopardized the life of my baby. I was literally confined to the couch to the point that I had bed sores and could only shower once a week because the shower was upstairs and we only had a half bathroom downstairs. We lived in a townhome at the time. But this really taught me to to understand that life is not perfect. My home is not perfect. Even my marriage is not perfect and it won't be. I, and it's, it was staring me in the face. It was like such a smack in the face, like of reality of just the imperfections day to day of living life and, and, and reality, reality set in big time. And I had to let go. 
I had to let go of all of that. And then later on in my life, um, I had a loved one that had an addiction problem and I tried to conceal it from my, my closest friends and my family. I didn't want people to see into my life and see um, how dysfunctional my life had become. And so um, that finally, there was something that happened that finally brought that to a head and kind of unveiled the mess, so to speak. And once again, everything, I it's like you, lo- you almost lose a sense of dignity when that happens, where you just kind of go, oh my goodness, now everybody gets to see the muck and I can't hide it anymore. You know, I went through things in my life where I was like, oh, I didn't want people to see anything other than perfection because I thought that I had to be perfect in order to be loved and accepted. So perfection is interesting. I think if you can let go of perfectionism, challenge yourself. If you're a perfectionistic person, challenge yourself. I challenge you, go and deliberately disorganize something. Like if you have a stack of magazines or books that's perfect, pull a book out slightly um, or take a magazine and open it and leave it opened for a little while. Take a pillow and, uh, you know, tilt it or take a picture and slightly tilt it. Force yourself out of that by doing little things like that and sit with it. Sit with it like that for a good 10 minutes or so. And then you can go fix it if you want. But but get comfortable with things not being perfect. Allow yourself that moment and and try that exercise and do it consistently. Because I think um, if we can let go of perfectionism, I think that, now I know you will feel more fulfilled in life if you can let go of that and not put that unnecessary pressure on yourself. I cracked. I carried that pressure for so many years that I had an experience this past year just a few months ago, really, it was like January or February where I cracked and I finally accepted that I, that life was not perfect, nor did it need it, nor did it need to be in order for me to be happy. In fact, I feel more fulfillment by letting go of this need for perfection in my life. I I can now also leave the house without eyebrows, without it being a big deal. I can leave the house without makeup, even though I'm broken out, you know, and my hormones are all out of whack. I can do those things with more ease now and, and feel more relaxed. I can be more, me, more true to me and who I am rather than feeling like I have to wear makeup or, you know, have my eyebrows a certain way. I used to color my hair with, I have a background in cosmetology and I used to always color my hair. I would color it the same color it is. My coloring later on became about covering the grays. (laughs) and I just wanted my natural hair color without the grays. Now I don't, I've been letting my gray and my silvers grow out. And I think I've reached this point where it's okay to be me. I'm, I don't know. There may come a time when I decide I want to dye my hair for kicks and giggles, but right now I'm enjoying not having to dye my hair and just relaxing more into me and all of my imperfections and 
it doesn't mean letting myself go by any sense of the mean. I still uh, am working towards health, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I think those are always worthwhile, necessary pursuits in life. But I think I've been able to feel more secure with myself by letting go of perfectionism. So if you feel insecure with yourself, you care about what other people think, maybe there might be this perfectionistic strand in you that you can let go of. All right. I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. There's several things I think that keep us from feeling fulfilled. I think drama, uh, I think just small distractions. Um, I think that when we regret our past, um, Another big one is, oh man, and I was so good at this, but pursuing others' definition of success. Boy, oh boy, that was a big one for me. I did that. And then I got angry. (laughs) And I felt like everybody's drinking this Kool-Aid. Like if people would just understand that like fulfillment is found by knowing ourselves and not following what everybody else's definition of success is. Oh, I could do a whole episode about that one. Um, but there's a lot, you know, I think, uh, when you get so worked up about, you know, what's going on in our world, uh, hate, I think when we don't forgive, I think all of these things rob us of a sense of fulfillment in life. And, I think the whole point of this podcast is just to bring to your awareness those areas that you aren't feeling fulfilled in. And maybe it's a generality. Maybe you just don't feel fulfilled in general and you're not understanding why. I think that peace comes when we really do know and accept who we are, when we love who we are. That's why I think there's so much talk about self-love and self-care because when we aren't loving ourselves, we are doing the exact opposite. We're hating ourselves. We're hating on ourselves. We are punishing ourselves. We are being abusive towards ourselves. We are buying into those untrue beliefs that we're not enough. We're not deserving. We're not lovable. We're not any of those things. And that is a recipe for disaster. If you own beliefs like that, And you allow those beliefs to determine how you operate in life. I believe that we will be held accountable for that if we continue to believe the lies and not believe what is true and not discover what is true about our humanity, about who we are and whose we are. I believe that it's dangerous when we don't address those core beliefs that are faulty, that are from poor programming (laughs) that stem from early childhood before our brains were developed. So take a moment, look at that, and don't be afraid to look at it. It can be a really uh, wonderful, beautiful experience. It has been for me. I have no regrets taking time to pause and turn in and just really get grounded and to really come into an understanding of who I am 
and what I'm all about and what I want out of my life. I am now getting to the point where I am setting my sights on what kind of work I want to do, where I'm trying to learn how to not overreach because in the past when I would take time, I'd go right back to putting that pressure on myself, like do, 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 be, 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 more, 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 perfectionism, all of those things. I want to return to work uh, without overdoing it, without overtaxing myself and choosing a line of work that I am happy about, excited about, that I enjoy, that I am choosing and can be fully present in where it's not a have to, but a want to. And it's so funny, you know, guys, I, I kind of have been in this place where I'm like, I just want a little part-time job, just a little part-time job that's in the morning that doesn't require a huge amount of responsibility, but just enough that I, I feel like I am contributing something or doing something worthwhile. But I am kind of giving myself permission to take a small step. You know, it's okay if I'm doing a teenager job right now. <laughs> like, it's perfectly okay. In fact, I look forward to it. Give me a teenager job right now. I would love a teenager job. <laughs> By teenager job, you know, like, it could be fast food. It could be retail. Like, just give me something, you know, simple. And there's nothing simple about those things, really. There isn't. I mean, anytime you're working with the public, you ha- you're going to come across difficult, challenging people. I know that. But... I, you know, I was, you're talking to somebody who has had their own business. And while there's wonderful benefits of that, like you determine your pay raise, that's awesome. Because then your, your earning, your earning potential could be limitless. Like you could, that's when you really can reach the thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions, billions upon billions of dollars, right? Um, you don't have a time clock to punch in and out of, and you you have the luxury of doing work among nature, some scenic place. Um, you can stop and start as you please. There's lots of benefits to running your own business, but right now I want a little bit of structure where I don't have to think about that, where I don't have to... Um, be responsible for, you know, getting my business license. And then I've got to go file taxes, a schedule C for my own business and and an accountant. And then, you know, there's still a lot of work that goes into running your own business, a lot of work. And now that I've had that, I'm kind of content with, you know what, I want someone else to worry about the marketing of the marketing. I want someone else to worry about, you know, the the schedule I want, I guess what I'm really seeking is a little bit more structure right now. And something that is um, consistent. When I have my own business, my wages are not consistent. Sometimes, especially in the beginning of a business, you experience feast or famine as you're trying to build your business. And studies show that it takes at least 
at least five years. It can take less than that. I've seen it happen. It can take longer than that. I've seen that happen too. But in general, on average, it takes about five years. So there's a lot of pressure with that. And I I don't want the feast or famine. I would like consistency and a little bit of structure. I kind of miss that right now. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know how long I'll be working at a part-time little job somewhere, but I do know that it's one step. While I've learned this delicious thing called, you know, uh, being still, I want to learn how to incorporate that little by little into my everyday life and um, start small with work and so that I can kind of still learn how to integrate that into my life. If I take on something huge or a job that really is demanding, I don't, I think it will be harder for me to learn how to integrate that. So I'm content and happy with just taking the baby steps. Anyway, thank you for tuning in today. Make today great. And remember that you too do deserve and can have fulfillment in your life. Mm -hmm.